0: Chapter Thirteen of Prodigal Daughters by Joseph Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter Thirteen The Girls Take French Leave. In spite of everything, the Colonel could not help feeling comforted. The thought that his youngest boy should get out of his bed at five o'clock in the morning so that he might be at Paddington to meet him at six, helped him to bear his trouble. He was not an emotional man under ordinary circumstances, but he was touched by this act of kindness. If all of them were like him, he reflected, what a joy life would be. Get in, my boy, he said, as he stood by the door of the taxi after you dad i say it was beastly of me to ring you up like that but i thought it was best of course it was best have you heard nothing since they were sitting side by side now and the conveyance was leaving the station no i've heard nothing i think mother has though why do you think so I saw her reading something, which I thought she did not wish me to see, but I'm sure of nothing. Have you seen your mother this morning? Yes, Dad. I was hoping I'd get away without her knowing, but she heard me dressing and called me to her. I'm afraid she didn't sleep last night. She asked me if I was coming to meet you. But she said nothing particular. She only told me to hurry back she is plucky of course she is but why do you say so now she told me to tell you not to bother about her for she would be all right the colonel sat in silence i say dad i'm awfully sorry for you said john that's good of you perhaps after all it may not be so bad as we fear let's hope not was the boy's reply after which nothing more was said until they reached home no sooner had the colonel passed through the door than he saw his wife evidently john was right when he said that she had passed a sleepless night her face was pale and worn while her eyes were swollen she did not speak at her husband's appearance but rushed to him and began to sob convulsively It's good of you to be up to meet me. And the colonel tried to speak cheerfully. There, there, my little wife. You see, I've got back safe and sound. Wait a minute, she whispered. I shall be better directly. There, and she wiped her eyes vigorously. I'm all right now. Come and get some breakfast. You must be tired and hungry. Everything is ready. I saw to it myself no we are not going to discuss anything till you've done justice to the kidneys and bacon you saw trev how's he looking john be careful about the coffee it's very hot evidently she had made up her mind to be cheerful and although her heart was heavy she seemed bent on making her husband's homecoming glad indeed she revealed herself in a new light dearly as the colonel loved her he could not help owning to himself that she was doubtless weak and easily overruled by the stronger will of her children but now he felt that for the time they had changed places it was she who sought to drive away gloomy thoughts it was she who tried to make him think of pleasant things no she said after they had finished breakfast you must not bother your head about me besides i can perhaps help you more than you think anyhow it's not me that you must trouble about i shall be strong enough to bear everything what do you mean by that alice asked the colonel shall i leave asked john as he saw his mother hesitate no my dear she replied you don't want to keep anything from him do you turning to her husband certainly not replied the colonel and by the way my boy do you think you could be spared from the works today i had thought of that dad and i'm sure i could the truth is there is something i wanted to tell you i i asked mr davenport yesterday if he could let me have a little slack time nothing wrong i hope oh no nothing of that sort but you had so many things to think about that i did not want to bother you with my jobs besides there's no hurry everything's going a one that's right but you have something to tell me alice what is it it's not much and and i hope you won't misunderstand but Eleanor has sent me a letter. It came by the late post last night. Let me see it, please. I hate giving it to you, but please, please, my darling, don't think I agree with her. I was thinking about it in bed last night. I imagined from what you said just before you left for Plymouth that I thought you a little hard and unreasonable with the girls, i don't i don't see how you could have been kinder or more considerate i wanted to tell you that before showing you her letter i'm afraid it's my fault too i ought to have kept a firmer hand on them years ago i ought to have taught them differently she passed him a letter as she spoke which the colonel opened with an anxious look in her eyes dear mother he read you will have guessed from the fact that our things are gone that i have decided to leave hampstead the truth is i object to being treated as a child and to have my life interfered with as though i had no personality of my own i don't suppose you will be greatly shocked or surprised as i've told you pretty plainly what i meant to do in a way i'm sorry to leave you but it will be a relief to get away from a place where the man who calls himself my father now rules it was bad enough before he came it is unbearable now i hesitated some time before taking this step and considered the advisability of staying at hampstead and treating his petty and absurd restrictions with utter indifference but i have decided differently i should be bored to tears with constant bickerings and quarrels besides his attitude is a continual irritation not only do i cordially detest him but his evident belief that he has the right to interfere with my life and to say whom i shall have for my friends is a bit too much that is why i am going to think my own thoughts live my own life and earn my own living. Colonel Trelawney may be able to command a number of slaves in a barrack-yard, but his belief that he has the right to command me is too absurd for words. It will be no use your trying to find out where I am. Neither need you imagine that I shall come back, like a prodigal child, to ask forgiveness. I know how to take care of myself. And in any case, I would rather die than be obedient to a petty tyrant whose ideas surely had their birth in the ark. So don't expect to see me again, Eleanor. The colonel read this epistle through very carefully and then, after looking very grave for some time, went through it a second time. John has not seen this, he asked. Turning to his wife, Mrs. Trelawney shook her head. Read it, John, and he passed it to his son. John read it through, but made no remark. What do you think of it, my boy? There's not much to think about, is there? Remarked John. I've heard her say all this dozens of times in different ways, until I'm about tired of it. Is that all you have to say? Yes, yes except that eleanor is a little more considerate than lots of other girls i've heard of you remember i told you about some girls i met at a dance they informed me that they hadn't said anything to their people about what they had done they just left their homes and left their people to think what they liked eleanor has had the decency to write to mother call it decency do you remarked the colonel Please don't mistake me, Dad. The whole thing is horrible, according to my idea. But there we are. I simply say that Eleanor's no worse than thousands of other girls, and better than some. She did have the common decency to write to Mother. It's a shameful letter, said Mrs. Trelawney. I could never have believed it if I hadn't seen it. To talk of her father like that... She's never said a word about Peggy, remarked the colonel presently. No, but I've no doubt she knows where Peg is, said John. Why do you think so? Of course they've been hand in glove in this. Besides, didn't you notice the beginning of her letter? You will have guessed from the fact that our things are gone. Of course they went away together. Do you imagine they are together now? depends upon barnes replied john you have barnes address don't you yes here it is dad i'm not disposed to take such a hopeless view of things as i did why because whatever else eleanor is she's got brains and she's as cold as an icicle she'll not allow peg to make too much of a fool of herself in her way she's fond of the kid too then you think if we can find out where eleanor is, we shall find peg at the same time. I don't say that. Still, I'm sure she'll see to it that Barnes does the straight thing in so far as such a fellow can do the straight thing. Perhaps you are right. Let's hope so anyhow. Will you ring for a taxi? We'll go and see the Barnes family again. Oh, I am glad you are back cried mrs trelawney when john had left them and i'm sure you have done right at first i was afraid lest you had been hard on them and that perhaps you had not made enough allowance for the topsy-turvy way in which everything is looked at but i'm not troubling half so much now i'm glad of that alice lester you've done right I know I've been weak and yielding, but I can see now that it needed a strong hand like yours to have let them go on in the way they were going was ruinous. Even if you can't find them, I shall still know that you did right. The colonel looked grave. I know how you feel, went on Mrs. Trelawney you are thinking most of peg you are afraid you'll not be able to save her from that man but even if you can't it'll be all right in the end if i can't save her from him i don't know how anything can be right remarked the colonel gloomily yes i know the thought is dreadful but my dear husband i'm old-fashioned enough to believe in god I may have been a foolish mother, but I've tried to do right. And more than that, this home has been a Christian home. Both you and I taught our children to pray. We taught them to believe in God and in Jesus Christ, and that will not be in vain. Let's never forget that. No, Alice, we will not forget that, replied the colonel. Thank you for reminding me i was in danger of forgetting it i know they seem utterly irreligious now i know they've been carried away by the spirit of the age they've forgotten god and his commandments they've forgotten filial love and duty but i can never believe that our prayers and our example will be in vain they'll feel their need of us some day but i do hope you'll find them AND BRING THEM HOME. IT MAY BE THEY WILL REFUSE, EVEN IF I DO FIND THEM, SAID THE COLONEL, BUT I'LL DO EVERYTHING IN MY POWER. AND WE HAVE JOHN, WENT ON MRS. Trelawney. YES, HE'S A GREAT FELLOW, ALICE. I ONLY WISH TREV WERE MORE... OH, YOU'VE TOLD ME NOTHING ABOUT TREV. IS HE ALL RIGHT? WHAT DID YOU THINK OF HIM? taxi will be here in a quarter of an hour informed john entering the room that's right said the colonel almost cheerfully his wife's words had lifted the gloom somewhat her simple faith had made him feel almost hopeful by the way john he went on you said you had something to tell me what is it i'm afraid it would bother you now sir you will be anxious about other things it wouldn't bother me a bit my boy i've made all the plans i can about this business and i want to know what you have in your mind i'm interested in all you do and as i told you several days ago i want you to remember that everything in your life is of interest to me so speak freely my dear lad he felt very tenderly towards his son just then his heart had gone out to the lad from the first and he saw in him a son in whom he could rejoice but there was more than that now john had shown himself so thoughtful so clear-headed so eager to help him and with such good feeling that he felt more than ever drawn towards him Here, at all events, was a child after his own heart, and he helped to atone for the others. Of course, it may all end in nothing, said John shyly. Very probably it will, but Mr. Davenport thinks a lot of it and says it may revolutionize motor engineering. I've been years at it, sir. At what, my boy? It's what... I call an automatic gear changer, sir. Of course it isn't complete yet, but I believe I've got the idea. An automatic gear changer? queried the Colonel. Yes. John's shyness had now gone. I wish there were time for me to show you. It's down in the cellar. No one knows about it, but Mr. Davenport and myself and i wouldn't let him see it until i'd finished some of the parts but he's been awfully kind and tremendously keen it's this way sir when i learnt to drive a car at first i was awfully bothered with gear changing it seemed such a nuisance every time the thing had to go uphill to be obliged to change the gear it seemed so clumsy too First you have to jam down the clutch, and then you have to get your gear through a gate for your second or third or fourth speed. I was always a bit keen on mechanism, and I thought how grand it would be if something could be invented, whereby the gear would change itself automatically, according to the burden on the engine. "'Splendid! Splendid!' cried the Colonel, enthusiastically. "'And do you think you have managed it, my boy?' i want to show you how far i've got replied john the thing is down in the cellar you see i've fixed up a workshop down there and i've often been busy there of a night i wanted to tell you about it before but i hadn't got far enough yesterday however i had a chat with mr davenport and he was awfully kind to me in what way he told me he thought a great deal of the idea and as things were not so pressing just now i might take a little more time at it that is why he won't be surprised if i don't turn up to-day awfully good of davenport responded the colonel and of course i'll have a look at it the first moment i can spare i had no idea you had fixed up a workshop little as the boy suspected it he was helping his father greatly the colonel was troubled beyond words by what had taken place and although he professed a greater interest in john's schemes than he really felt the very fact that his boy confided in him comforted him a few minutes later they were on their way to camden town in order to interview the barnes family End of chapter 13